Our executive pastor is going to come up and, and speak this morning. He has a message for us. But I don't know if I've ever shared this with you. Um, he and I ministered together uh, at a church uh, in the Midland prior to us both being here at Impact City. A and it truly was God the way it was orchestrated for us to be here today. He is an incredible man of God um, who you get to see a glimpse as, as he speaks behind this, this podium and as you interact with him. But I've, I've seen him uh, for years at, at, in different circumstances and, and, and in different instances. And I can tell you that he truly loves God and he loves people. I invited him to speak when he was still living in the city with the bright lights based off of a recommendation of a mutual friend, uh, Pastor David Ruiz. Just said, hey, my buddy's going to be in town. He's a great preacher. I trust David enough to say, um, okay. And the rest is history. The rest is history. I, I love his spirit. I love his heart. And uh, he loves you. He loves you. And he has a word for us today. Are you ready for it? Are you ready for it? Could you stand on your feet? Give God some praise. Come on, give God praise as Pastor Israel comes. It's I love you, brother. Thank you, man. You guys are too kind, too kind. Can we give the Lord some praise this morning? And listen, it's a, a few weeks ago, I think two or three weeks ago, we had our church anniversary. It's a year since we've been here, since we moved here. And uh, I honestly thought I wasn't going to get past the three months. I was like, they're not going to like me. And uh, they're going to say, boo him, find someone else. And uh, I guess I passed probation. I'm here <laughs> over a year. So <laughs> I'm excited more about that than you are, trust me. Uh, I'm glad that I'm still here. And I'm glad that uh, you guys trust me enough to speak into your lives uh, when given the opportunity. So while you're standing, would you go with me to Jeremiah chapter 29? I'm going to be reading a few verses, and right in the middle of, the, of these verses is a verse that all of us already know very well. Um, even if you didn't grow up in church, you probably have, somebody has a t-shirt of it, or maybe on a, printed on a mug, or somewhere in your house. When we get to that verse, you're going to be like, oh yeah, yeah, I know that verse. So Jeremiah 29, it's in the Old Testament, so you can open up your, your, your literal Bibles, or your, open up your app, your iPhone, and for some of you, your eyelids. I, I heard that one a while back. I was like, I got to use that one. I got to use that one. Open up your eyelids for that. Jeremiah 29, verses 10 through 14. And it reads like this. For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed, after 70 years, very key, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you and cause you to return to this place. Verse 11, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and out of evil to give you a future and I hope then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and find me when you search me for when you search for me with all of your heart I will be found by you says the Lord and I will bring you back from from your captivity I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you says the Lord and I will bring you to the place from which I caused you to be carried away 
captive. So, Lord, we just thank you this morning. We thank you for the opportunity, Lord, the space. I ask that you would speak to me, that you would speak through us this morning, God, that we would receive our portion that you have for us. We thank you for the beautiful weather. We thank you for the rain, Lord God. We thank you for the peace. And we thank you for an incredible weekend, Lord, that's already happening. And we just pray, God, that we would experience freedom in our own lives, in our spiritual lives, in our emotional state of mind. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. You are dismissed. Psych. But I, I, before I go any further, uh, tomorrow is pastor, our pastor's anniversary. A little bird told us that tomorrow we'll be celebrating the 13th. And so I don't know if they have cash app, but uh, if we can, I'm just kidding. I'll definitely, you'll definitely not see me next week if I were to do that. <laughs> But we celebrate you, we honor you and your marriage. And if, it, if, that, if that I do hadn't happened, you guys wouldn't be here. So I think the church says thank you for saying I do. <laughs> and for sticking it out through the, the valleys and the victories. We are so honored that you lead us, that God would put you in this place. Like you said, the way things happened, the way things worked out, only God had that. Because it definitely wasn't in our plans and I'm sure it wasn't in your plans. Uh, but God, it was in God's plans. And to quote the... The psalmist, DJ Khaled, God did. God did. And that's in Psalms 151, verse 3, I believe. All right. So this morning as we read the scriptures, there was 2911. We got to Jeremiah 2911. 2911 and it says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. And so this morning I want us to dig a little deeper on this very popular verse that we all have heard before. And our text this morning has been copied and printed on plaques, maybe even posters, but it has maybe not always been clearly understood. In fact, I came across this poem or this thought concerning partial truth on social media. It's called the Instagram Bible, and it's by Jen Wilkin. I won't take credit for it. I do not want to get in trouble. The Instagram Bible by Jen Wilkin. And it reads like this. Beware the Instagram Bible, those filtered frames festooned with feathered verses, adorned in all manner of loops and tails, bedecked with blossoms, saturated with sunsets, cool and curated just for you. Beware lest it become for you your source of daily bread. It's telling a partial truth. I saw in my vision by night, and behold, I dreamed of a world in which every copy of the Bible was gone, except those portions we had preserved on Instagram. Consider this Bible, if you will. Its perfect squares are friend to the proverb, the promise, and the partial quote, leaving laws, lists, land allotments, and long-stretching lessons to languish off-screen. It comforts, but rarely convicts. It emotes, but rarely exhorts. It warms, but rarely warns. It, it promises, but rarely prompts. It moves, but does not mortify. It builds self-assurance, but balks at self-examination. It assembles an iconography whose artists, by spatial necessity, are constrained to choose brevity over breath, inspiration over intellect, devotion over doctrine. Beware its conscribes where calligraphy conquers context. I love that. Beware, if the prosperity gospels offered us all the things, the Instagram gospel offers us all the feels. It preaches good news in part, but we need the whole. 
It may move us in the moment, but it cannot sustain us through the storm. Do not misunderstand. Like you, I do not wish to pull up my Insta account to find Levitical laws picked out in filigree and flowers. Nor do I desire genealogies superimposed on sunsets. And I do not harbor a puritanical hatred of beauty. Nor do I de detest the illumination of a holy text by an ardent scribe. May I be the first to hit like on a timeless word of encouragement. But I do not ask the Instagram Bible to be all things. I can value, even enjoy it for what it is. But drawn by the glow of its inviting warmth, I must ask myself and you to view it with care. Bless you. Lest we love the part, bless you, in place of the home. Lest we live as those in a vision by night, as those ensnared in a dream. Beware the Instagram Bible. It shines a partial light. We must know it both for what it says and for what it does not. So God has always used this verse or has used this verse in many of our lives, myself included, to perhaps fan our, flame, our faith, uh, to help us hang on in hope, in hopeless situations. And, and no doubt these words, Jeremiah 29, 11, are a literal, have been a literal lifeline for many of us going through tough times. But my hope is that we would appreciate this verse on a deeper level this morning and to get the whole picture of the significance of this verse in its totality. And so our title this morning with you all and uh, uh, here at church <laughs> at Impact City is In the Middle. In the Middle. So let me preface that by pointing out that these words were spoken to the people of Israel while they are in bondage. They weren't free just yet. They weren't delivered just yet. They weren't made whole just yet. That even in the middle of bondage, God sends them a word. He sends them a promise in the middle. And if we can get that full picture of the verse and not a simple snapshot, then we can appreciate the lens the prophet Jeremiah is wanting us to see through this morning. So real quick, Jeremiah, just a few uh, facts about Jeremiah. He was both a prophet and a priest who ministered for 40 years during the reign of five different kings. He outlasted five kings. He's, he's been called the weeping prophet or the weeping preacher. And I got to say, Jeremiah, I, I mean, I'm right there, right? I'm, I'm, I'm right behind him there as known as the weeping preacher. And uh, I don't plan on uh, crying today, but if I do, it's no surprise to any of y'all. So anyways, he's been called the weeping prophet because of all the pain he experienced while proclaiming God's message. His message was one of repentance, but the people rejected both the message and the man. And so we're also introduced to to the Babylonians who were a ruthless and barbaric people. They were the superpower and the terrorist of the ancient world. And their leader's name is Nebuchadnezzar because of the idolatry of God's own people. Because of the idolatry of God's own people, God used the Babylonians to, to discipline and destroy Jerusalem. Not the people, but Jerusalem. And so while in Babylon, the children of Israel started looking for a word from God. And isn't it sad that it seems like we have to wait for some sort of tragedy to happen in our lives so that we can treasure what we have. We have to wait for some sort of tragedy to happen so that we can treasure what we have. So they went to false prophets, but God sent a word by the true prophet, Jeremiah. They weren't God's people. They were God's people, yet his own people did not even trust him. And 
The thing is, God had already shown himself trustworthy on many occasions through their journey, yet that didn't quite seem to convince them that God was telling them the truth thus far. And so listen, when you're in captivity, you have no clue what's going to happen next. All you can do is live in the very moment and no more. And through it all, God always sent God always sent a word of reaffirmation, of consolation to them. And he keeps reminding them and about the promised land and that one day they will enjoy life there as it was intended to do so. But they had a problem. They could not trust God. They just couldn't trust God fully. And so let me address that question to you. What about you? Do you trust God? I mean, I know, I know, we carry in God we trust in our pockets. I get that. But does it carry over into our hearts and overflow into our way of life? Or does it remain on the coins and the bills in our pockets? See, in our society, many people are wondering what's going to happen next. People are making fortunes attempting to predict the future. Yet the Bible tells us, be anxious for nothing. (laughs) Don't worry about a thing. It will be all right, buttercup. But for the devil's goal is to rob us of today's grace by worrying about tomorrow's problem. Example, tomorrow is Monday. (laughs) Everybody's morale just went, Monday. Be anxious for nothing. Jesus told Martha, you are worried about many things, but only one thing is necessary, and that's spending more time with the master. See, all of us deal with the issue of uncertainty at one point or another. Right? At one point or another. We want to know what's going to happen in the near future. That way we can be ready for it and be prepared. And if we can avoid the thing, then we can avoid it. But remember, these people are in bondage yet again. But God speaks to them yet again. And aren't you glad that even when you've turned your back on God, he never turned his back on, on you, on me. It's been said that God whispers in our joy, but he yells in our pain. So he had to get their attention. And even though they were in bondage, God demonstrated his freedom to speak. And he says, I know the plans that I have for you. And God has to remind us that he's the only one that's omniscient. That he's the one that knows the plans for your life. And David said it this way, that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And God said, I know the plans. And see, and the reason some of us are in a mess today is because we thought we could plan our own lives. See, and I feel like I'm responsible for uh, God's laughter most of the time. I really do. Because I'm like, God, check out this five-year plan. It looks good. I got on Excel sheet, pie graph, color-coded. It looks great. And then God, I just feel like God says, this guy. Hey, Archangel Michael, look at this guy again. <laughs> it's like you're 30 something, you still haven't figured it out. My ways are not your ways, <laughs> and my thoughts are not your thoughts. And how many of us have said, God, look, I have this two year plan, and in two years, I'm gonna be here, and God's like, this guy, or, or this gal, this gal. And now we're like Israel, pun intended, in a strange place that has become our dwelling place. 
Point number one, this morning, the wilderness, though, wasn't the promise. The wilderness wasn't the promise. God has to remind us that he knows what's in front of us. In fact, he's gone before us, so when we get to the problem, he's already there. Ecclesiastics puts it this way, that he makes our crooked ways straight again. That he goes before us like a mighty warrior. Verse 11, see, isn't just a reference to God's omniscient, but also a reference to his omnipotence. As we were preparing for this message, the word plans just kept uh, uh, speaking to me, which led me to, to just go a little bit deeper. And one of the meanings, or the, or the, or one of, the, meanings of the uh, origin of this word is the word design. It carries the idea of design. So let me read it again to you. For I know the designs that I have for you. And you're saying to yourself, and? <laughs> what does that mean for me? Plans, design, it's all the same thing. This is what it means. The fact that the original text reads design only further proves that he is the creator of all things. <laughs> it's the language of a creator. Designs, plans, patterns, structure, creativity. I know the design that I have for you. And he speaks to the omnipotence, all-powerful, that he has the power to create he has the power to design. So when, even when we are in the middle of bondage, he can design a way out. Even when we are in the middle of a sickness, he can design a way out. He can design healing. Even when we are in the middle of brokenness, he can design wholeness. Even when we are in the middle of weariness, he can design a time of refreshing and I'm just like the rest of you all. I'm tired of being pushed to either the left or the right. And you have to pick a side to stand on because then you're labeled a wimp with no backbone and a heretic and all these other kind of things. And it's either you're right or wrong, so pick a side to stand on. And my heart just says, God, I just want to love you wholeheartedly. And I just want to love and lead my family wholeheartedly. And I just want to serve wholeheartedly. That's it. At this point in my life, those are the most important, three important things to me. That's it. And I know it's not a popular space to be in, but I want to be in the middle. I don't want to choose left or right. I choose Jesus. <laughs> I don't want to choose right or wrong. I, I choose Jesus. And I don't want to choose black or white. I choose Jesus. And I know, I know this sounds so churchy, it's church lingo, but it's the truth because I find that Jesus wasn't afraid to stand in the middle. So let me say it this way, point number two, being in the middle isn't a position, it's a heart posture. In fact, it almost seems as though that was his favorite space to be in, in the middle. The fact that God sends Jesus wrapped in the flesh, he becomes a bridge for the supernatural and the natural. And there we find Jesus in the middle of heaven and earth. When the people were accusing the woman and ready to stone her because, she had, because the people had already chosen a side, Jesus stands in the middle. And when Jesus is at Calvary and he's hanging on the cross, there's a man to his left and a man to his right. And we find Jesus in the middle. Even John, when he writes the visions he has seen in the book of Revelations, there's this moment that he sees seven lampstands referring to the seven churches. And there in his vision, he finds Jesus in the middle. 
When the three Hebrew boys are already in the fire and the king takes a look at how, how they're suffering and he notices that there is four instead of three and he realizes that it's the son of God, it's that the son of God is right there in the middle. And when Jesus sends his disciples to the other side by way of boat, it's about three or four in the morning, and they find themselves literally in the middle of the sea. And when the storms begin to rise and the winds begin to blow, there you find Jesus in, in the middle. In the middle. It's not the ideal place to be because three, it's messy in the middle. And I'm reminded of the story in the Old Testament, Ezekiel 22, verse 30. And, and it reads like this. The Lord says, the Lord is speaking and he says, I looked for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap in the middle. On behalf of the land, so I would not have to destroy it. But I found no one. Because it's messy in the middle. But time and time again, we find Jesus in the middle. And he reminds his own chosen people that after 70 years, there's still a promise that I will keep. After 70 years, I know you're in the middle. I know it's messy in the middle. But I came to give you a word while you're still in the middle that I know the designs I have for you. Is what the prophet is telling the people. So let me tell someone right now, right here, right now, that even in the messy middle, God still has a word for you. God still has a promise for your life. That even while you're battling, even while you're hurting, even while you're sitting here in church and yet feel defeated and that nothing is going to change in your life, so you might as well stop trying because you're only making things worse. Even still, God has a word for you this morning, for I know the designs that I have for you. I can design a way out. And you see, he might not change the momentum all at once, but he will create a moment that can change the course of your, his, of, of your, of your life. Moments, because momentums, rather, are created by moments. Momentums are created by moments. So don't worry about the momentum someone else is experiencing. Just make sure that you don't miss your moments. It's, it's like the, the story in, in 2 Samuel chapter 23, we find a great warrior by the name of Shammah who didn't miss his moments. See, he was standing in the, in the field that the Philistines had taken and chased God's people out off of their own property. And the Bible tells us that it was a fertile piece of property that produced, that produced lentils, lentils, leave my lentils alone. That produced lentils, lentils, lentejas. Uh, this great warrior by the name of Shammah stood his ground against the Philistines. The text tells us that he stood right there in the middle. <laughs> he refused to run. He stood to defend what God had promised him and given to his people. He fought and killed the Philistines and God blessed him to win a great battle. Oh, and by the way, the name Shammah means the Lord is present. Shammah stood on that battlefield, but he wasn't alone because there we find God in the middle. 
Shammah, the Lord is present. And I wonder how many of us are feeling like Shammah. We feel, we see our surroundings and everyone is running away from something and everyone is, is running towards something. And though it may be easier to run, it may be even safer to run away and to run towards something or even someone, there's this voice that continues to tell you, stay, stay. What? I might lose my life if I stay, God. The Philistines are coming to take over this land. They're not coming to negotiate. They're, they're coming to take and kill. And you're telling me to stay? Don't you see that it's better on the other side, God? There's more opportunities on the other side. The grass does look greener on the other side. Part of me wants to be on the other side. And in the chaotic places, in crowded spaces, I hear you whisper, stay. Not only does God speak in the middle of our captivity, in the middle of your valley, and he tells us he knows the plans for our lives, but he also gives us a description of his plans, of his design. It says, I know that designs that I have for you, designs for peace and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. And so maybe you find yourself in the middle this morning. Maybe you're in the middle of a battle a spiritual battle. Maybe you're in the middle of a decision that you have to make. Maybe you're in the middle of a battlefield and it seems like you're the only one fighting for family values, for moral values, for justice, for what is righteous. And maybe you're in the middle of what seems to be a defeat. Maybe you're in the middle of bondage to an addiction that, is, that has had you enslaved like it did the people of Israel. Hear me this morning. God still has a promise for you that awaits you. It's like God gave him a coupon for freedom. Oh, hold on to that one. Because after 70 years, <laughs> it's valid. It won't happen right there and then. And you would think like, God, you're sending a prophet in the middle of nowhere to give us a word. Just free us here and now. See, sometimes God, as we're learning, sometimes God doesn't deliver us right there in the moment. But he chooses to sit with us in the middle. We'll get through this together. That if he comes to you in the middle, in the messy middle, to remind you of the promise that he knows the designs he has for you, then he knows exactly where you are. Let me read that again. Because if, if he comes to you in the middle, the messy middle, to remind you of a promise that he knows the designs that he has for you, then he knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly where you are emotionally. He knows exactly where you are financially. He knows exactly where you are spiritually. He knows exactly where you are relationally. And he knows exactly where you are physically. He knows where you are. And our failures don't push him away. They actually pull him closer to the middle. Brother George can help me this morning. Isaiah 65 verse 1. In my opinion, one of the saddest verses in scripture. Even sadder than Jesus wept. Isaiah 65 verse 1. The New Living Translation reads, the Lord says, I was ready to respond, but no one asked for help. I was ready to be found, but no one was looking for me. I said, here I am, here I am to a nation that did not call on 
my name. The Lord says, I was ready to respond, but no one asked for help. I was ready to be found, but no one was looking for me. I said, here I am, here I am to a nation that did not call on my name. See, the scripture can easily be a description of what happened to the people of Israel. That they wanted to hear from God, but they didn't want to hear from the true God. Because it wasn't what they wanted to hear. They wanted to hear that deliverance was coming soon, here and now. That their troubles were ending soon, here and now. That the pain was coming to an end, here and now. That suffering would soon be behind them, here and now. So they sought after false prophets and voices that catered to their desires. They found themselves wanted, they, they themselves wanted to, to so badly choose a side when what God was telling them was stay. Because I'm coming, I'm coming to you. With the word, a promise, in the middle. In the middle. To tell you that after this, after this, I know the designs I have for you. Designs for peace and out of war to give you a future and a hope. I don't know if you ever noticed, but eagles are rarely seen flapping their wings, right? You rarely see eagles flap, continuously flapping their wings. When you see them, they are normally soaring, which is pretty cool. They're not like these other little birds. They're, they're just <laughs> trying to stay right, right by your window because they see you eating lunch. <laughs> Feed me. Eagles are, are normally seen soaring. And I love what they do because what they do when, when it's time to rise higher and there's winds and there's currents coming against them, what they do is use, they use the opposing wind to their advantage to climb to higher altitudes. Stay with me, lean in, lean in. They position their wings in such a way that when the wind comes against them, they cause, they, it, it causes what is called an updrift. And as the wind comes against them, they are taken to greater altitudes, not on their own strength. But because they have chosen to surrender to something greater. Could it be, church, it's time to soar. Time to soar. Because most of us have lived our lives like this. I got this, God. No, 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 I got this. I know you know some things, but I, I saw this life hack on TikTok, and Lord, mm, it looks so good. I got this. I can do this. And I look ridiculous. But imagine how you look when you're trying to say, no, 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 I got my own life. I can heal by myself. I, I know what I'm doing, God. I know the next step. I got, I got my future figured out. You look so ridiculous. Ha, this guy, this gal. Maybe it's time to soar. Some of us have spent so much time flapping our wings and sometimes our mouth. <laughs> I think it's time to soar. Maybe if you choose to surrender to something greater, you would soar. Maybe if you position your wings in such a way that when the opposing winds come, it's not you on your own strength, but it is the strength of the Lord that pulls you higher, pulls you higher from the pain, from the damage, from the residue of hurt. Point number four, if you want to soar, 
you must learn to surrender. Why did you have to say that second part, Pastor Izzy? You could have just left that at, if you want to soar. You have to learn to choose to surrender. You know the verse, but it's when we wait on the Lord. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles and they shall run. And not be weary. They shall walk. And they shall not faint. And so, Lord, this morning, we stand here in the middle, fighting alone sometimes, wounded, exhausted, tired, hurting, lost. But I hear your voice this morning telling us, stay. Because I'm coming to you in the middle. I know where you're at. I haven't lost your coordinates. My eyes are on you, my child. See, it's Jesus saying, I know the pressure of choosing a side because Jesus can say, I've been there. I know what it's like for the same people to love you one day and reject you the next because Jesus can say, I've been there. I know what it's like to have the burden of a calling over your life that it feels impossible to continue sometimes because I've been there. And I know what it's like to have the desire to serve God with everything that you have, but at the same time, at the same time, wanting another way to fulfill it so that it doesn't cost me everything. I've been there, Jesus says. I know what it's like to see people await my destruction and cheer for my defeat because I've been and I know what it's like to have the burden of proving myself over and over and over again because they don't believe in me. Jesus says, I've been there too. And through it all, my child, I'm still here in the middle. In the messy middle to tell you I know the plans that I have for you. I know the designs that I have for you. He meets us in, in the middle. And I've been struggling whether to share this or not. I shared it with Pastor John. And where, or what time of the service to share this. But I'm going to step here on the ledge, not literally, and be obedient to the Holy Spirit. Because I think I, I, I want to, just like as, just as the enemy spoke to me, I want to close the door on the whispers of the enemy so that there is no room for anything. So as you know, Pastor John, uh, we, we celebrated the great news last week of, uh, of an addition to the pastoral family. Aren't you excited? Come on, let's show him some love. And so Saturday he called me and he said, uh, uh, they, they want, we want to make the announcement, but I wanted to ask you if you wouldn't participate in the announcement. I said, but, I, but he said, out of respect, knowing that what we just went through, he said, I just wanted to ask you first. And I said, yeah, absolutely. It would, I would love to. It would be a beautiful thing for me. Because a few days, a few days earlier he had shared with me the news and we were super happy for them. And then two days later, there was this moment or a dialogue within myself. Uh, and, and now the enemy 
where there was this, this thought of like God saying, or I thought, I was telling God, really God? You're just going to rub it in my face like that? Like, you know, how could you? And it was just for a few seconds that I entertained that thought. And then it was like a, like a snap out of it moment. It's like, God doesn't talk like that. I know who this is. And I stopped it right there and then I said, no, God. Healthy hearts. We want healthy hearts. And after that, I entertained that thought and I, I did away with that, that thinking. Came this, this vision or revelation. And the beautiful part of that is that I was actually standing here and I was looking to you all. You guys were part of the vision. And this is what I felt God gave me to share with you. That he was thinking of you, our journey and his journey, our journeys. That God did it with you in mind. That God would give you two leaders in the same season, under the same roof, in the same community, walking two different journeys at the same time. For those that don't know, we lost our our baby at 14 weeks. And so we're friends, we're great friends, we love each other. And then when the enemy tried to sow that seed, I had to, me doing this. Not today, Satan. <laughs> maybe two years ago, maybe you would have gotten me. But now, I know too much. But I thought of that God was giving you all, the church, a picture. That he can relate to you in your valleys and in your victories. That we get to cry together when we need to cry together. And we get to celebrate when we need to celebrate. But we get to do it together. So Pastor John, would you come up here? I want to do this because I, I want to shut the enemy's mouth once and for all. That though he tried to sow a seed of bitterness, a gap, I close that gap. And I want this to be a picture of you all. That we don't have to be afraid to celebrate when someone else is hurting or when someone else is hurting. We have to kind of live around him and walk on eggshells. No, we get to cry when we get to, when it's time to cry together and we'll celebrate together when it's time to celebrate. And we're going to lock arms because I want the enemy to see this. possible to walk two different journeys in the same season but the beautiful thing is that we get to do it together and whether you're in your valley or you're in your victory whether you just got the promotion you just got demoted we get to do life together it's not just a catchphrase here at impact city church it's not just community a catchphrase here in church it's it's what we do here we get to do this together we cry together and we celebrate together and god loves them and god loves us That's right. 
just like they were there for us to cry with and lean on, now it's our turn to celebrate with them and buy them diapers. <laughs> but I want this to be of a healthy, a, a healthy picture of a healthy church, that if we can do it, that God would be, that God would be so kind to show you all two leaders walking two different journeys, but we get to do it together. And there's no gap in between. If it's possible for us, God lead us, it's possible for you. So would you lock arms with the person next to you? Across the aisles, leaving no one untouched, would you lock arms? And let this be a picture of unity. That God would see this, but would, so would the enemy. That there's no divisive gap coming in between us. That we'll cry and we'll celebrate together, but we get to do it together. So Lord, this morning, you see a church locking arms, God. That the only space in between us is you, Lord, for you to be in the middle, God. And though while some of us are walking through valleys and some of us are experiencing victories, Lord, we get to cry together and celebrate together in a healthy way. God, give us healthy hearts. Give us a healthy church, Lord. That we would celebrate each other and embrace each other, Lord, and love on each other, God, and lean on each other, Father. That it, you would be so kind to give them, Lord, this picture of two leaders, us, Lord. You can do it for us, you can do it for them. And as we navigate these uncharted waters, God, that you would be our peace, that you would be our North Star, God, that you would be the center of everything that we do. Because you come to us in the middle, saying, I know the designs that I have for you. Thank you, Father, for the addition of our pastoral family. I thank you so much. And we thank you, God, that we're learning how to heal and celebrate someone else's victories. Because you are with us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Would you give the Lord a hand praise this morning? Thank you. <laughs> And I want you, your hearts to be healed. It's a journey. It's not going to happen overnight, but it's a journey. We get to do it together. We get to do it together. So you don't have to hide your victories from someone while they're going through something. We can do both. We can do both together. And I get excited when there's an addition or somebody gets approved or somebody gets a new car because I'm like, God, am I next? Yes. I think that should be... I hope that's you too. Instead of jealousy, you're like, God, why them? God, they, they, I saw, they, they, they do this. It's like they're off the list, so I'm one person closer. Maybe I'm next. <laughs> ah. God is so good. God is so good. He loves you. He loves us. He loves you. I'm going to say a prayer because I know some of you are struggling with that. And maybe you entertained the conversation with the enemy like I did. I hope that you would have the courage and the boldness to cut it off. God doesn't talk like that. God wouldn't do that to you. So Lord, we just come before you this morning. God, we close the door on the enemy's whispers of defeat, of bitterness, 
that they would want to, he would want to plant a seed of divisiveness in between. But we come against that right now. We close the door, Lord God. That we would stand on your promises, Father. For the people of Israel, it was after 70 years. It's a long time. But they chose to stand on their promise. And Lord, however long it takes for us to come to complete healing, God, we stand on your word. We hold on to that coupon. After this, I know the plans that I have for you. We thank you for this house. We thank you, God, because I may be biased, but your heart is for this house. And the people here, Lord, you have a heart for them. Everything that they've gone through in the past four or five years as a church, two, three years as family, God, you know exactly what they've been through. And you would give them this, this season, Lord, to bring healing to their lives. We thank you for all that you're doing behind the scenes, Father. And we just want to make ourselves available to you wholeheartedly. No secret, no hidden agendas. We want healing, Lord. We want to show the world what it likes, what it looks like to be a healthy church and healthy home healthy marriages God we thank you for this house we thank you for the people in this house we thank you for the leaders Lord that you would guide them and continue to be with them Lord give us vision for the future increase our territory enlarge our territory Lord and we just thank you for this moment for this day will you just extend your hands like if you were an eagle done flapping our wings. We are done trying to do things on our own strength. And this morning, Lord, we position our wings, we position our wings in such a way as to soar to greater heights, to soar to greater altitudes, to be closer I don't want to pass this opportunity. I know it's it's Fourth of July weekend, and, and it's all about freedom. And for some of you, maybe you find yourself in, or you feel like you're still in bondage, or you're still trapped by something, or you're held back by your past. Don't let this Sunday pass you by, and not take advantage of this moment to step into freedom. So, I'm going to make this invitation. Is there anyone that would want to give their life to Jesus? not going to baptize baptize you right away but it's a start it's a conversation that you have with jesus that today marks a new chapter in the book of your life is there anyone that would like to give their life to jesus thank you thank you i see you come on can we celebrate them and church you already know this we don't we don't pray alone here so would everybody pray with us this morning and say lord Lord, I, am, I, I admit I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I believe you are Jesus, the Son of God, who died for the sins of the world. And I confess you as Lord, Savior, and King of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.
name. Amen. Come on, let's celebrate that life.